Alex Show podcast. Welcome to episode number 16 of the Smart Alex Show podcast. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Today, I had the honor and pleasure of hosting the Vice President of Business Development at Overtime, Brandon Rhodes, on the platform. Had an awesome conversation with him. First met him through the Texas Business of Sports Summit here at UT Austin when he flew down from Brooklyn to attend. Um, in today's episode, we cover a number of things. One, how he started the Michigan Business of Sports Conference um, and, you know, UT and building our sports conference out. We, we kind of look at them as like, you know, they, they've done an incredible job. So we talk about how he founded that, how he broke into the sports industry, how he first broke into marketing at Gatorade. And now how he is running business development at Overtime. And if you're not familiar with Overtime, you definitely need to be, whether you're in the sports industry or not. Essentially, Overtime builds disruptive new sports leagues aimed at capturing the next generation of sports fans and athletes. They run Overtime 7, which is a 7-on-7 football endeavor. Um, That space is growing. They run Overtime Elite, which this is the one that's been generating headlines dating back to last year. Essentially, they serve as an alternative route to the NBA level, offering elite prospects um, an alternative route. Instead of having to go the NCAA route and play D1 at the college level, they can go to the overtime elite league, play with other elite competition, um, and they get their own curriculum that is just so unique to anything else going on. So it's a very disruptive and innovative thing they've got going on with the OTE league. Um, This very week, they're generating headlines with their new deal with Amazon prime diving into the streaming game. Um, Essentially, you know, so this is a pro basketball league for 16 to 20 year olds state of the art facility in Atlanta, Georgia, other entities are even using the facility like the PFL, which is the main competitor. The UFC has hosted a couple events there, but essentially, Here's what you need to know. Players receive a minimum salary of 100K annually, signing bonus, shares in overtime's business. So, you know, from the perspective of having equity, that is massive. If you believe this business is going to grow, they get health insurance, $100,000 scholarship money if they decide not to go to the NBA. But essentially what makes this so unique and cool and innovative from my perspective is that you don't have to go to the NCAA route and pretend you're a student that's going to, you know, just be a regular student athlete you know you're going to the league so why not start preparing now right so you get a four to one student to teacher uh ratio right and the curriculum is geared to not only better suit you as an nba professional but a professional in the business world during your career and post-career once you stop playing basketball they have classes on financial literacy social media media training mental health and wellness much more Um, the people running it are incredible, you know, former NBA player, UConn head coach, Kevin Ali heads their player development. They have a partnership with tops to create basketball training cards for their athletes, brand partnerships with Gatorade state farm. We know all the NBA Chris Paul commercials with state farm and how tapped in they are into the sports space with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in their commercials. Uh, they have a partnership with GMC, many others with meta, you know, Uh, formerly known as Facebook, to develop a virtual reality uh, set of content for their league. They have signed the number one recruit from the class of 2024, multiple top 23 prospects, the Thompson twins, a man in a SAR who are NBA bound. Um, 
they have a whopping 6% of active NBA players invested into this league. So obviously from an NBA player perspective, they're bought into the league. And I think here's another important part that, you know, even if you're not into sports, here's why you need to be aware of what overtime's doing, what overtime elite's doing. You know, you have massive entities backing OTE. Um, essentially, you've got Jeff Bezos through Be Bezos Expeditions, Morgan Stanley, Sapphire Sport, Micromanagement Ventures, which is the family office of former NBA commissioner David Stern, Drake, Quavo, KD, you know, UT's very own. I'm repping the KD right jersey right here. Um, just, just a lot of um, support and financial backing behind this. And it's very cool to have had the opportunity to pick Brandon's brain about, you know, where overtime is going and also how he broke into the space how we can break into the space and tips and, and tools just to become better people and succeed in whatever endeavor of life we're trying to go. And uh, specifically if you're trying to tap into the sports space. So with that, I'll let you guys enjoy the conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an incredible guest with us on the podcast today, a graduate of the prestigious university of Michigan, Stephen M. Ross school of business where he founded the Michigan Sports Business Conference, which now hosts sports industry titans year in and year out. He then stayed in the Midwest, but unlike Braun in 11, he took his talents north to the windy city of Chicago and went on to work with one of the most well-known brands on the globe, PepsiCo, on their legendary Gatorade team. He worked in athletic equipment innovation and design, digital tech and innovation, global brand activation, and then led all of digital strategy at Gatorade. From there, this young man then made the jump to the disruptive, innovative, new talk of the industry and talk of the town over time, where he started in brand partnerships and business development, and now serves as the vice president of business development at Overtime Leading Partnerships for Overtime and Overtime Elite. It is with great honor that I present to you guys our awesome guest today, Brandon Rhodes. Let's Thanks for having on. me, man. Excited. <laughs> um, yeah, no, appreciate you being here, man. Let's get it started off with this. So obviously, you know, I know anyone that follows the sports industry knows, but if you could describe overtime to the people from, you know, its inception in 2016 to the game changing stuff y'all are doing now in 2022, what would you say overtime is, man? All right, we're, we're a sports brand for the next generation. And, and that's intentionally broad because when we first started, um, you know, well before me, Dan and Zach started over time with the intention of capturing this young Gen Z, young millennial audience that wasn't really being served by traditional sports, by the traditional sports landscape. And it wasn't about, oh, we're going to go and do this type of content or that type of content. We're going to go do these events. It was more about how do we capture the imagination, the minds, and the, the loyalty in the community that is growing larger and larger and more influential of Gen Z. And this stuff today, your, as of a couple of years ago, is, is common knowledge that you know Gen Z, of course, they're sports fans, but they're consuming their content so differently. They're... The understanding of what sports is is so different than it was even when I was growing up as a kind of middling or older millennial. And those are some insights that Dan and Zach had started to see early before they were really published in all of these studies. 
so it's always it's always been um, about capturing kind of Gen Z young millennials. Um, that's been from the start. It's always been about building a brand, um, not just a pass through entity that covers uh, sports, but something that people really love and feel a part of. And I think that's been the difference um, from day one, even since I interviewed probably five years ago now to this point and understanding their mindset was really about building um, a brand and community. And then once you have that, you can extend it in so many different ways, which you've seen us do from starting um, and really owning kind of the youth next-gen basketball space to getting into football and having a big footprint there to then apparel and lifestyle brand where everyone wears the O and then if a kid sees me in the airport, they go crazy to launching our own basketball league to getting into all these different areas in sports and having trading cards and media rights deals and all these other things. So if you would have asked, you know, people four years ago, they might've said, okay, overtime is kind of the next ESPN, but now you can't even really say that because it's, it's so many different things because at the core fundamental, it's a brand that Gen Z really resonates with and cares about and loves. Absolutely, man. No, a lot of great points there. And it's interesting, like you said, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, people might have said like, oh, it's the next ESPN. And I know like, you know, in the past couple of years and in interacting with your content digitally, I thought it was maybe like some, you know, kind of in the same space as like a house of hoops, but geared towards a younger generation, maybe and focusing a lot on the high school space. But now it's like you guys are doing so many different things from OTE and OT7 with football. It's just like, it's a crazy thing, man. And and mentioning, you know, media rights deals, congrats to you guys on the, on the Amazon prime deal, man. How can, uh, how can people tune in? Oh, it, it's super exciting for us. And we're going to have 20 games on Amazon prime, all live streamed. So if you have prime, you go to Amazon prime video, the same place you watch Thursday night football and you'll see overtime, uh, which is just an incredible moment for us and our whole company and everybody that's worked in overtime to kind of start from just having a social account, getting all the way to launching a league and then having one of the biggest and most influential companies in the world work with you is pretty cool. Absolutely, man. It's, uh, it's, it's big time. And it's just so wild to see like how, you know, the past few years and like speaking with Fef, you know, like when I first met Fef, I think it was like before the pandemic she, she came into my business sports media class and she was like, you know, there's going to be this inflection point between linear television and streaming slash, you know, direct to consumer, all that good stuff where, you know, you're going to see a lot of these streaming and tech giants kind of come in and start buying media, right? So it's been interesting to see how Amazon Prime, like, you know, with Thursday Night Football now, and they've got, you know, Richard Sherman and all these great names on there doing the, doing the cast. And it's just wild to see like that and Apple TV with MLS, you know, seeing that whole space shake out, man, it's a, uh, it's a wild evolution. Yeah. I mean, it's an exciting time to be in the sports business. I mean, I mean, when isn't it an exciting time? Cause it's something we love and we care about, but I, I often think back again, um, and a big inflection point for my career is coming to overtime, which has been a little over four and a half years. Um, and I tell people like when I first started overtime, we weren't really thinking about, you know, the industry wasn't really, unless you worked at these companies thinking about like legalized sports betting. Right. Like a lot of the leagues were against it. And now you can't watch an NBA or NFL game without seeing betting odds or commercials from FanDuel and DraftKings or whatever it may be. You know, the streaming wars weren't really a topic of conversation. Right. Netflix was the only player. Now everybody's getting into it. ESPN has a direct consumer product. 
uh, you know, like you said, Amazon and Apple, some of the biggest companies in the world are getting more into it. Um, so that's a completely new wave. Uh, Web3 innovation, NFTs, that's been a whole thing that's kind of taken the industry by storm. And obviously right now there's a cool down, but we'll see how that has an impact over the long-term horizon. And, and that's just a few things that come to the top of mind, but the pace of innovation right now is incredible. I mean, even back then you would think of esports as kind of a phenomenon maybe in the, in the East, um, but you know, even esports has been a, a big thing. So there's just so many opportunities, especially for young people who are looking to get into the industry to see these er areas that are emerging and maybe get a little more um, experience or things that they're frankly just fans of and naturally because they're the ones driving the trends. So you can come in and make an impact in these industries pretty quickly if you're looking towards what's next uh, versus always just thinking about what's been big in the past. Absolutely, man. No, I, I love what you said about the pace of innovation. Like, you know, things are just taking off so rapidly, whereas like, a couple of years ago, you know, you saw FanDuel and DraftKings with the DFS stuff. And now you see, you know, the Manning family doing commercials with, uh, I don't remember, if it's, it's Caesars, right? And then you got like Win Win is involved too. And then you got like Dapper Labs and the M3, you know, the Web3 space. So it's just, it's, uh, it's shaking out, you know, to evolve really quickly. And I'm very interested to see where it continues to evolve because with these tech giants, you know, they've got deep pockets. So it's kind of a question of like, how do the traditional linear television companies and networks compete? But, uh, you know, you said a good point there in terms of like, there's never been a better time to get involved in the space because there's so much going on. Um, I want to, I want to take it back to like when you were at Michigan, man, like how did you know you wanted to get involved in this space in the first place? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm one of the people who's been very lucky um, to kind of have a sense of what I wanted to do for a very long time. And I think back to middle school, um, I was I was a very entrepreneurial kid. And I give a lot of credit to both my parents, my mom and my dad, uh, for spurring that in me and fostering that entrepreneurship, sense of entrepreneurship. You know, I remember I didn't want to go mow lawns or do that type of thing. And my birthday was coming up and I love basketball. I played basketball my whole life. My mom helped me do a three-on-three -three basketball tournament with all my friends from school. Um, I had them all pay entry fees. You know, I got trophies. I had my mom do a barbecue. Like, it was legit, you know, and I had a flyer and everything. And it was kind of the first time where I had kind of created something from scratch that became a business. I made some money on it. Um, but it was also just, like, a really fun thing to do with, with my friends. And... Um, you know, I kind of was one of the kid, the kid who was just like obsessed with all things, watching every show on ESPN after school, playing basketball, playing every sport I could get my hands on. And uh, my mom kind of saw this flyer, which was for a summer camp that said, oh, you know, you could be in the sports industry or go to sports management. I think it was University of Miami. Like I was too young at the time. But basically from then on, I was kind of like, oh, okay, I could get into sports. I didn't know that was a thing. And I really also was a big, uh, randomly, I loved Law and & Order and all these legal shows. So I was kind of like, okay, well, sports agent, that's the route. That's what I want to do. Um, so basically from middle school on, like, I thought I wanted to be a sports agent. And then I went to high school. I told my guidance counselor, she was like, okay, so you just watch Jerry Maguire or what's up? And I'm like, I don't even know what Jerry Maguire is. <laughs> never even heard of it. I don't even um, know either. I've heard of it, but I don't know. <laughs> well, you got to watch it. It is a classic. <laughs> 
but I didn't watch it until college, but um, basically I had known and I had pursued this path. And then um, I went on a college campus visit when I was a freshman because my sister was a junior and I went to University of Michigan and they were talking all about the sport management program and how awesome it was. And from then on, I kind of knew that that could be a great pathway for me to, you know, get into Michigan. I ended up, you know, getting there, doing sport management, which is in the school of kinesiology, double majoring in the business school. And I was lucky that all my, like a lot of my freshman hallmates were talking about, about the business school, because frankly, I really came for sport management. Um, but the business school was the number one ranked undergrad business school in the country. And because they were all talking about it, I was like, oh, maybe I need to look into this. Um, and I figured out there's a dual degree program. And then I did a Spanish minor. Um, so I had two degrees uh, and a minor within four years, you know, and I realized my freshman year, a couple things that were very important. One, that uh, becoming an agent was a very hard route and I really didn't come from much. Um, I, I moved from home to home. Like I, I didn't have much growing up and I had no connections in the industry. Um, so I thought, yeah, I wanted to do something that was a little more immediate where I could come in, make some money, get some experience versus working in the mailroom. And I fell in love with marketing pretty early on. Um, but the other thing that I learned was like, that's obvious, everyone tells you this, but networking and internships are the two things that are gonna help you get into this industry. So I, first of all, went to the career office and said, I need an internship my freshman summer. And they were kind of like, internships are for juniors. But then I looked at all, some not all, but some of my classmates, like they had the dream internships their freshman year. And I'm like, what is going on here? Oh, well, it's because my parent, my dad knows so-and-so or my mom knows so-and-so. So that's when I knew that I had to flip the switch and I had to network um, harder than everybody else in order to just get to an evening playing field. So that's what really propelled me um, in my career was, was getting really good and comfortable networking and, and shooting my shot and not worrying about rejection. And then um, ultimately uh, led me to creating the Michigan Sport Business Conference when I was on campus um, to help, well, one, to help kids like me who didn't have that access, um, but also to propel my own career too. Absolutely, man. No, a lot of great points there. And it's dope to see that like you had this innately in you as a kid, like, you know, the, the business you're doing at overtime, like it's been in you since you were a kid, you know, and hosting that basketball tournament and getting the trophies and like your mom cooking out. So that's dope to see. And uh, shout out. I, I didn't know you spoke Spanish. I know when we met, you told me you did the study abroad in Spain, but, and you spoke a little bit, but you got the whole minor and everything. So you're pretty, you're pretty fluent with it. I'd, I'd assume though. No? <laughs> I was, I was very fluent. When I studied abroad in Spain, I was so fluent. I would dream in Spanish. <laughs> now it's like it's so rusty because you know you don't use it you lose it but you know you throw me in Mexico throw me wherever for a week I'm good like I, I got no concerns no doubt. and you know what's so interesting too especially since overtime is involved within the football space and, and growing that with within the youth demographic but like you know within Mexico the the rate of participation in football is growing like exponentially as opposed to the rates of participation in like affluent America where those like rates are decreasing because like you know concerns with health and things of that nature, like the Hispanic demographic is like taking off. Have y'all ever looked into that within overtime in, in terms of that demographic and football? Uh, I don't think we looked at that specifically mm -hmm. in, in terms of Mexico, but I would say that we, we believe football and particularly seven on seven is just an area that is so ripe for growth. Um, you know, the NFL is investing a lot in non-contact football and things of that nature, but seven on seven 
is just this incredible space where literally every top athlete that is going to Texas, going to Michigan, going to Alabama is playing seven on seven football in the summer. But traditionally, there just hasn't been um, a ton of media coverage about it um, from from our standpoint, content, you know, creation and making it just kind of an elevated spotlight. So that's where we came in um, and did our first event last June in Vegas, and it just did incredibly well for us. And we're definitely doubling down on the seven on seven space for football. Absolutely, man. No, like you said, the NFL is pouring a lot of money into like, you know, uh, the non-context side of it, like with regards to flag and uh, other things. But like, I'm curious, man, because I, I want to watch like seven on seven is, is really fun in terms of the pace and things of that nature. Like where, where can we tune into the seven on seven content uh, that overtime provides? Yeah, uh, we have a few different accounts over overtime season, which is our basically football hub of all of our content. We have OT7 specific accounts on, you know, every account that you would follow. And then if you go to our YouTube page um, on overtime season and OT7, you'll see a ton of highlights, a ton of packages, the full broadcast for all those events. And it's just super different because, Absolutely. you know, we have a combination of fo football experts, but also YouTubers and things like that, streamers who are giving you the content and the analysis. So it feels very um, of the audience. Absolutely, man. No, that's that's dope. And uh, I'll definitely drop those links there below for people to tune in. Um, but back to the Michigan Sports Business Conference, man. So so you saw like a lot of maybe nepotism from some of your peers in terms of like, oh, I got this internship because my family knows somebody. So you wanted to kind of democratize opportunity for other people trying to break into the space. So that was like a big reason why you started the Sports Business Conference. Well, I would say there was a motivation for me because I knew that I could not get access to the content that was out there, right? Like as a student who didn't have any money, who worked a work study job, who, you know, did an internship, unpaid internship for the athletic department, similar to you, um, I just didn't have the resources. So if I wanted to go to MIT Sloan, which was, I think at the time, probably $1,000 plus ticket or SBJ or whatever it may be, like all those are great entities, but it just wasn't possible. Like I had to turn down internships in New York um, because I couldn't afford to live there. So I think one of the things there was there was a variety of things, but one of the things for me was that I definitely want this to be accessible. Um, so from the start, we've always tried to do very accessible ticket pricing when we could definitely charge a lot more for the content and the quality of the speakers. But we want students to be able to attend without a burden. Um, now we need to cover our costs and it's it, it's a nonprofit and there's cost to running it. Um, but that was always a fundamental element. It's like, how do we get sponsors, uh, enough sponsorship, enough school participation in order to make this ticket accessible to students? The other thing was that, you know, if you want to go work in accounting or finance, the pathway to get a job is very direct, right? You, you do an internship, you do these interviews on campus, these companies like Deloitte hires 20 plus people from the business school every year. In sports, it's just not like that, as we know. It's a little more off cycle, it's a little less traditional. So how do we bring all these speakers, these people who are hiring um, and put them in front of students and give the students the opportunity to network? Because not everybody's gonna be like me who's gonna reach out to everyone they're interested in on LinkedIn, right? How do you give them the opportunity to shake hands with Kevin Warren? That was our theme the first year, you know, shake hands because even Stephen Ross himself, Jeff Blau, um, who was his number two, he met him in a classroom. And it was just through, you know, being a student, being a high performing student and, 
they just shook hands and, and had that conversation and then he became, you know, his number two. So that was always a thought around MSBC was quality content that's on par with any conference you see in the industry, giving students the experience to network and make connections and hopefully get jobs and just making it very accessible, especially if you're younger in your career, you can see all the different pathways into the industry and then kind of start to develop, okay, which route would I want to go? Absolutely, man. No powerful wisdom there in terms of the two things that'll help you get into the industry, right? Networking and internships. And I love the theme that y'all set up in terms of shake hands. You know, um, a lot of times they say it's not what you know, but who you know, but I believe it's it's a strong combination of both, right? Um, but that's that's dope that you were able to build that out and uh, see the, you know, see the impact it's had on students years later. How did it feel to go back this past month and be at the conference and see how it's grown and see all the impact, man? Yeah, I mean, it's always it's always great. Like you can never really beat MSBC weekend for me. I mean, I think <laughs> usually it's fun and you kind of just really seeing like the students grow from the beginning of the year to the end of the year is one of the most special things is that they just gained so much experience and confidence and they're so proud of what they pulled off. Um, and then you see them get into the industry and go on to do great things. So that's one of the most rewarding things. But I just had a ton of gratitude, man. Like I'm I'm blessed um you know when we first created msbc like i'm i'm a little crazy so i definitely was thinking like okay this can be something that lives longer than me um but when you see it come into uh, fruition and you see everything that you know people have done to you know come back take from their lives give back sit on the board be an ambassador be a speaker like you really just are grateful uh for all the energy and effort everyone's put in to make this special Absolutely, man. No, that's that's incredible that uh, you're able to experience that. And uh, that's kind of my idea with this podcast, man, is like, you know, like you said, accounting, finance, you know, a lot of these other more traditional industries, there's a clear pathway for how you get there, right? Whereas the sports industry, the entertainment industry as a whole, there's a lot more, you know, it's kind of more of a gray area, like in terms of how you get there. So um, I appreciate people like yourself, you know, taking time to give insight in terms of like, here's how I got to overtime. Here's how I got to Gatorade. And, you know, that, that shows people a roadmap for how to get there. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I really appreciate that, man. But I know, I know we, we only got so much time, you know, a lot of big moves happening for overtime. So I know you, you got to run here later, but I want to get into like, how'd you get to PepsiCo, man? And, and what was that whole experience like working with Gatorade? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I, I fell in love with marketing early in my career. You know, I did an internship with the athletic department. I was in the process of starting MSBC. I also volunteered on everything. Like when game day came to campus, I volunteered. Like I just really was soaking up opportunities, doing a ton of informational interviews. And luckily PepsiCo recruited at the business school. And one of the guys who I had recruited to work on MSBC originally, um, he worked at PepsiCo in New York the summer before. So I talked to him, I got a lot of keys on how they kind of go about the interview process. And then also um, I give a lot of love to John Shea, who was the head of sports marketing. He was an early supporter of MSBC as well. Um, but just through doing well in the interview and being able to credibly talk to the fact that, no, I'm not just a sports fan. Of course I love sports, but like, look at what I'm building, look at what I'm doing. Um, and I think that really translated well in the fact that I just really love marketing. Um, and I could work on any brand, but Gatorade happens to be my dream job. So I was I was lucky to land at Gatorade. I mean, it's an iconic brand. It's a brand we all grew up knowing and loving and being able to help, 
you know, shape some of the initiatives and mold some at a young age was just incredible. Like I, I couldn't have asked for a better start to my career. You know, when I was an intern, I wasn't even 21. I was the youngest person. I was the only undergrad out of 10. There were nine MBAs coming from the likes of Harvard, NYU, Stanford, whatever, U Chicago, you name it. And I just kind of went in with the mentality of like, I'm going to just be the best. Like, I don't care what it takes, right? I'm just going to work hard. I'm going to, you know, be a good person, which is underrated. I'm going to meet everyone. I'm going to just, you know, we had a final presentation after 10 weeks. I just, I remember it was La Palooza weekend in Chicago. It was summer. It was beautiful. I could hear from my apartment that Red Hot Chili Peppers performing. And I was sitting in there for like hours and hours just going over my presentation. Uh-huh. And then by the time the presentation came, it was just easy. And then um, every question that somebody asked, I had an answer. It was either in the appendix or I just knew. And they thought, you know, little things that were, might have thrown me off, I just had it. So um, I, I did well. They wanted to bring me back. And um, I was fortunate enough to come back full time. I did five years, a couple on the um, product innovation side, which I loved because um, it really helped hone my skill set of like, taking an idea um, and bringing it into reality, even in a big system, um, which is not easy. So that was super cool, working with design, understanding like how products get made um, from insight into the locker room, insight on the field to, okay, this is how we're going to prioritize it, working with the scientists, working with, um, you know, the nutritionists and everything else and coming up with something to see it in retail. That was amazing. Um, I spent two years on the global team and my Spanish definitely came in handy there because I was working a lot with the Latin American team. They're our biggest market outside the US. Um, But doing a lot of international soccer, um, a lot of campaigns and commercials, again, launching a new brand, Gatorade FC, our our soccer specific product at the time, working on our new technology um, and implementing that with a lot of the the international soccer clubs um, was incredible time. And then last but not least, I went over to the digital and social team um, and, and worked for one of my biggest mentors, Kenny Mitchell and, and Michael Smith, both of them who've helped me in time of my career. Um, that's where I was basically anything that kind of touched the internet from a social perspective, I was either leading or touching it and really focusing on kind of revamping our voice and getting us in touch with Gen Z. And that's of course, when I found Overtime, right? Is, organically we had an amazing project with twitter where we went to go create live broadcasts for zion Williamson's high school games rj barrett's high school games a lot of other basketball stars bowl bowl who's now popping back up uh, we went to his high school and i gotta tell you seeing zion live in high school was something different like it, oh, was, it was pretty crazy i bet it was, it's like, it was uh... insane I don't know if you've seen Pat McAfee's intro he did in New Orleans where he's like, this guy has been tucking on little white boys since he was 14. It is so crazy, bro. Um, no, that that's that's a wild journey, though, man. That's that's an incredible journey. And I think, like, you know, early on and and you telling that story, you made a good point in terms of, like, you could credibly talk to the fact that you're not only a sports fan, because I think a lot of people get caught up in like, oh, I'm passionate about the sports industry. Or I love the sports industry, right? Where it's like, that's that's not enough because in this space, everyone's passionate, right? Um, you need to be able to speak to what you're uh, tactically able to do, you know, like you in terms of like, I'm a good marketer. I love marketing and I could market for any brand, but I'd want it to be this brand, Gatorade, 
within the sports space that I grew up watching, you know, uh, the, you know, the Williams sisters commercials with Gatorade or the MJ commercials with Gatorade, right? Like all those big moments. So I think that's a big differentiator that if anyone's listening to this podcast, you could take away is like, uh, find ways to speak to what you can do, um, for the brand and not only the fact that you're passionate about that brand or that field. So I think that's like really great insight from you, man. And that's dope that you got to touch so many different things from product innovation, you know, how to bring ideas to reality, even in a bigger company, which can get, you know, kind of bogged down in the bureaucracy of like a bigger company. So it's like, that's dope. And then utilizing Spanish, bro, on the, on the Latin, uh, on the global team, interacting with Latin America. That's, that's dope. I had actually never heard of Gatorade FC, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was an international thing that we did. It was never really a U.S. Uh, focused product, but um, it was it was super cool. Um, I, I got a lot more respect for being able to sit in a meeting. They only speak Spanish or maybe do a little salsa or you know, <laughs> show, my, show my skills on the pitch a little bit. That, that, that gave me some good respect down there. So I had great times working with them. Um, but yeah, man, I think the number one thing you you talk about, like showing them what you can do. Right now, it's never been easier to start something. That's the thing. Like, I started MSBC, and I think that was probably the number one signal to them is that you know, if you can go start something from scratch, like, yeah, you can work in our system and build. Like, before anything else, I, you said I was a great marketer. I wasn't a great marketer. I barely knew anything, right? I, I worked for the athletic department, <laughs> like, holding the lights for, before yeah. the basketball game and handing out lapel pins at, at the football game and doing a lot of odd jobs and dirty work, and it was fun. Don't get me wrong, but like that doesn't make me a great marketer. But what I could do is I could go come up with an idea. I could get, create a vision, put it on paper, get people behind it to work with me, go get it funded, stand something up. And now as a student, like this digital landscape, you started a podcast. It could be an Instagram account. Like if you want to uh, come work for overtime, then why don't you start an Instagram account while you're in school and, and make it pop in. And NIO is a whole different space that we didn't talk about right? You got all these athletes on campus, work with them. And then that's going to show anyone that, okay, you can, Absolutely. you can really build, you can do something versus Absolutely. someone who just says, I want to work there. I want to work here. Like that's, that's probably the number one thing that I get excited about is if I'm interviewing someone is if they, it could be a nonprofit, it could be a for-profit, it could be something that failed. It could be small, it could be big, but that's just like a huge signal to me yeah. that they're, they're going to be good is if they have tried to start something. So like wh whether it succeeds or fails, it's that initiative to show that you're willing to start something and have taken careful consideration into all the different lens and scopes that you need to take out to do it. Yeah, okay. you learn by doing. You learn by doing. And class is great. You got to have the fundamentals, especially I, I tell people all the time, like accounting, finance. I don't do those things. Oh, I do a little bit on, on how awkward, but like the fundamentals of understanding all of those aspects of business is super important, Absolutely. but I think more so is like the EQ, emotional intelligence, like that is huge being on a team, right? Working with people, having people who want to do deals with you over and over people who like to hang out with you, like that is huge. And then having the initiative to know like how to start something and learn along the way and not get discouraged by failures or by bumps in the road and just to be able to keep pushing through with persistence like those most of the things that make someone good at work are not things that you learn in the classroom in my opinion 
Absolutely, man. No, a lot of great points there. And especially on, uh, you know, you made this point very early in the conversation, like, you know, being a good person is, is very underrated in today's world. And that goes in line with EQ, you know, emotional intelligence, you know, especially within the sports industry, right? A lot of us are former athletes, like you should know how to work within a team environment, how to take initiative, how to lead, how to, you know, follow and support when need be. Um, so I think all of that is extremely important, man. And uh, to your Instagram po point a minute ago, like that, that, that's in the works next for me is, is uh, chopping these, these long form conversations up into short form clips, you know, um, throwing in the subtitles and uh, putting that out, you know, on IG, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know what I mean? Because that short form content is what, you know, games the algorithm and piques people's interest to then go listen to the long form greater beast. Um, but yeah, man, no, like EQ is, uh, is, is so important and people sleep on it. And I think finance is, is to your point as well. Like, even if you're not going to do that stuff, that's the foundation of everything, you know, for overtime, for example, you got Bezos investing, you got KD, which I got his, uh, his Jersey on right now, since, you know, he's also an investor in overtime, but it's like, you know, at the end of the day, uh, what's the bottom line, you know, you got to understand, even if you're not in Excel doing the finances, you got to understand how the finances come into the equation, how marketing is uh, trying to drive revenue and that's going to affect the bottom line. So I think, you know, to your point, that's even if you're in marketing or some other facet of the business, you got to know that stuff, even if you're not directly doing it, which you are with hella awkward, which uh, I wanted to get into here in a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I think I, I've centered my career around understanding business and, and being a builder. Um, and for me, having a general understanding of how the entire business comes together is what I care about. Now, there are certain people who are specialists and are really good at what they do. And that's also a great route to take, you know, so you can be the best designer in the world or you could be the best just kind of person in Excel. You know, you can be really good at, at, at a as a specialist. You can be the best social media person out there and that's all that's all great but i think even if you are doing that it's still good to understand the whole ecosystem and why you're doing something or why what you do creates value in the broader entity um so that's kind of been my philosophy and, and what i continue to try to build towards for sure the whole ecosystem so for before jumping up to overtime man what, what was like a favorite moment or memory from your time at gatorade oh man that's a hard one because there's so many good ones um yeah, there's so many good ones. I, I remember uh, one particular time we had a shoot with Usain Bolt in Jamaica, in Kingston. And I was, again, very young at the time, maybe 23, 24. And I just got to take a leadership role on the global portion of that. And that was a really cool experience um, to be able to brief Usain and um, work with him, but also just like being Kingston where he's royalty and kind of experienced that. And I took the whole production crew to this like rinky dink jerk chicken spot that ended up being fire but like you know so it was just a, like a really cool trip and experience another one that comes to mind would be um going to el Clasico um in in barcelona and also working with messi on a few shoots so th there's a lot of a lot of great moments but at the end of the day i think the thing that come comes to mind the most is just like the incredible people that I work with and I'm still friends with and that have either stayed or gone on to do amazing things that you know we still all see each other as family like that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day that's dope man that uh you were able to experience that early in your career and like you know make those relationships with those people 
in their careers and like, you know, maybe they're still at Gatorade or they're at other places, but see how the growth happened and just have those memories, like, you know, eating that jerk chicken, which I love jerk chicken. So I can't imagine over there in Kingston, you know what I mean? But like meeting some of the goats, like a bolt or a Messi, and, you know, being at those legendary sports, sports moments where you could just feel the energy, like El Clasico, like how much that means to the people there and the rivalry of Madrid and Barca. That's dope, man. So talk to me about this jump to overtime, man. Um, what what inspired it? What are you doing now? And uh, what, what what do you see for the future over there, man? Well, like I said, I was at, I was at getting ready running social. I ran into overtime on this project, and once I saw the results, I just knew that there was something really special going on. One, the energy of the people working with Zach, working with Tom. Zach's the co-founder, who was my my boss for the first four years, and um, and then Tom, who was running social. Like I just knew that it was different. Um, and then once I started doing my research and seeing that David Stern was on the um, seed, uh, seed fund round, um, once I saw Dan Porter, um, the, the co-founder and CEO, his background, and even just like look at his LinkedIn, it's pretty special, just how he tells his own story. Uh, you could just say, see that there was something really unique. Um, and then once I kind of made the call to Zach and said, look, I want to work for you guys, there wasn't a role carved out. Um, there wasn't anything specific. They had just hired a head of sales who um, I had known from Snapchat, Alex Grant. I had helped, kind of helped him with some intel that I knew because I was working with them. And it all came back full circle um, is that, you know, Alex felt like he needed some help. Um, he was the alone guy trying to go get revenue. And then um, I met with Dan and Zach and all the other people. Mark Cohn is our chief content officer and kind of convinced them that I could add value in any way possible. And what I realized when I got there was that that immediately meant brand partnerships. I mean, I was doing other things. I was touching like, how could we potentially make consumer products and how do we do collabs with streetwear brands and doing some other cool stuff. But I was like, okay, we got to get some revenue in the door, improve brand partnerships. So my first year in change was like, just kind of telling our story, getting out there, basically doing everything around sales, which I never considered myself a seller. Um, but it came pretty easy to me because I, it just felt like I was talking about something I was passionate about and telling a story. The same thing I would do at Gatorade if I wanted to do this project with Overtime or if I wanted to, you know, do this specific project with with whoever it was, I would go sell it around in internally or go pitch it to the CMO or go pitch it to my boss. So that's just what it felt like. And I ended up being pretty good at it. Uh, we did our first huge, huge deal um, with Converse. It was this big event called the Takeover 1.0. Um, it was a special inflection point in our company. Um, that eventually led um, to the idea around Overtime Elite. Once we kind of saw a lot of the, we had built a lot of relationships with athletes and their families, heard a lot about some of the pain points. And, you know, we thought launching a league could be something uh, special. And I give Dan and Zach a lot of credit for, taking that swing when a lot of people um, didn't believe that would make sense. Um, but we, we made it happen collectively as overtime. And, you know, I, I was then transitioning more into like a strategy and VD role where I was doing basically all any deal that was outside of brand partnerships, still working with brand partnerships, um, but also working heavily on, you know, launching overtime elite, uh, working heavily on what new areas could be like international expansion and, um, you know, doing licensing and, and helping our apparel business. Uh, and then now thinking towards kind of what are the next opportunities and in, in the next verticals we should be thinking about. 
Absolutely. That's dope, man. So I'm curious, what is it like starting a league from scratch, essentially, with OTE? And, like, I know y'all have, you know, you guys just signed, like, the number one four recruit to OTE, you know, multiple top 2023 recruits. The Twins are doing their thing. You know, they're balling out. Like, what what is it like, you know, drop, trying to drive, you know, revenue opportunities and things of that nature for OTE. And I asked because like at the marketing agency I'm at, we have a client who's like a young sports league and we're trying to get sponsors for them and things of that nature. So a lot of people are like curious about like, you know, if you're this younger entity, how do you not only pitch the recruits, but also like pitch sponsors and things of that nature? Like how, how, how does that whole process look? Well, we, we generated a lot of belief based on our past success, based on who was on our cap table, um, based on who we partnered with. Um, and a lot of trust with with people. But the biggest thing is that we built a community of, you know, now we have 70 million fans and followers and community members across social. So we already had an, an audience. We didn't go say, hey, here's an idea to build a league and let's go find an audience. We already had an audience. And that's a, that's a major differentiation point to most leagues that start. And therefore, we're able to go to brands and say, no, we can give you ROI on this investment based on our own distribution. And that's a bet we made on ourselves um, in year one and intentionally didn't go to market around um, media rights. And obviously now we're super excited to be working with Amazon because it amplifies what we're doing in a big way um, and giving us streaming and then plus our, the power of our own social. So I would say that was the number one thing. But yeah, we, we just worked really furiously. Um, you know, we were in the lab working on it for a little bit, but by the time we announced um, in the New York Times that we were going to do this league, you know, within six months after that, um, we kind of, you know, went full force on building our venue, hiring the whole staff in Atlanta, and um, major kudos and credit to the players who committed um, at that time, uh, who helped build the foundation to what Overtime Elite is becoming. Yeah, no, it's incredible to see what you guys are building in terms of like you're not only setting up these players for success on the court with, you know, everyone who's leading player development over there, but you're also setting them up for how to be a professional outside of being a professional NBA player, being a professional in a business setting, you know, social media training, media training, uh, financial literacy classes, you know, things of that nature that are more relevant to the real world of business and uh, you're not acting like, you know, I feel like the traditional system, NCAA going to play D1 at the collegiate levels, like, you know, you kind of try to act like you're a student, but you're really not. We all know you're going to be there one and done. You're going into a totally different realm. So I think that it's cool that you guys are, you know, carving out that space. And I know, you know, it's going to be a massive success and I'm excited to see that continue to build. Um, but I want to ask, man, since we're going to wrap it up here. Any last words of advice for those trying to break into the industry, man? Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, networking internships, those are the two standard things that you just got to know. But really is like, I think underlying that is the hunger and persistence, right? Like, you know, that's what I had. That's what I had that differentiated me from a lot of different people. Like I got rejected a, a million times on internships or jobs I applied to. It's just a fact, like everybody does. You know, I, I applied blind to a lot of things. I probably sent... Out of the thousand, you know, LinkedIn messages I sent, maybe a third of them got replied to, right? Or maybe a third of those I got on a call with somebody, and maybe a third of those I built a relationship with somebody. But at the end of the day, you know, I always had the persistence and the belief to keep pushing beyond that, and that's what you got to have because 
you know, again, I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate. I went straight to, well, in college, I went to, you know, my, my dream school. Um, I went to my dream job. I started MSBC, which has been a dream. Um, the experiences I had at Gatorade are incredible. And then I, I got to overtime when at a time where a lot of people in the industry didn't know what it was and were very curious why I had made that move. And, and that's paid off um, tenfold uh, to be somewhere where innovation is really valued. So I would say just have that persistence, have that grind and bet on yourself continuously. And the bigger the bet you make, the bigger the uh, reward and payoff can be in the future. Absolutely. So persistence and belief to persevere, the rejection and the doubt that comes along the journey. That is dope, man. And it's dope to see, you know, how it's paid off for you, that move and uh, the, the great things y'all are going to continue to build. I know I'll be tuning in to the stuff on Amazon Prime with regards to OTE and overtime, you know, OT7 and all the stuff y'all got going on with the soccer partnerships ahead of the World Cup. So very hyped to see what you guys continue to do, man. I really appreciate your time. Um, where can everyone find you, man, and, and follow your content, tune into your stuff? I know you run a company outside of this named Hella Awkward. You know, where can people find that as well? Yeah, um, I'm Overtime Brandon on pretty much all the social platforms. So follow me there. You'll see a lot of boxing content. I'm getting ready for my first fight on November 19th. It's for charity. Oh, you're, you're boxing? So, yeah, I'm fighting. It's an official um, USA boxing fight. Uh, but it's for charity. It's for give a kids give kids a dream through my gym. Uh, they sponsor young local Brooklyn kids to be able to get into boxing from underprivileged backgrounds. So, super hyped for that. And then yeah, hella awkward is a is a game uh, conversation starter game that me, my sister, my girlfriend we started during the pandemic, which has just been a super fun project. Uh, my sister really gets a lot of the credit for running the show um, every day, um, but we're hyped for that, and and we're going to be in Target in q1 um so definitely support you can check out check us out at hella awkward cards um on instagram on our site on amazon uh, you can buy it on prime as well so uh thank you appreciate it that is dope uh i'll definitely be buying some hella awkward cards and congrats on getting into target man that is game changer man just uh success on all fronts man with uh overtime and hella awkward we really appreciate the insight and the wisdom here, Brandon, and uh, wish you guys the best of luck. And we're all hyped to see you guys continue to grow, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, obviously it's go blue, but, you know, I'm an adopted horn, uh, Longhorn now that I went down there. So I'll give you a little hook them as well. Hey, there we go. You know, in, in uh, you know, doing this podcast with yourself and then uh, one with Fef and being close to Fef, I'll, if, if as long as Michigan ain't, ain't playing UT, I'll, I'll be a Wolverine, you know, I'll hop on and, and back the blue, but uh, yeah, man, hook them. You know, it's uh, it's cool to see, you know, KD, you know, an investor with you guys and how y'all partner with the boardroom and 35 ventures and things of that nature as well. But uh, thank you, man. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode in its entirety. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation between me and Brandon half as much as we enjoyed making it for you guys. And that she gained at least half as much wisdom as I did from Brandon. Brandon is an awesome dude succeeding in his space. And uh, even more importantly, being a great person while doing it and paving the way for others like myself to get there and then pay it forward to the next generation as well. And that's what it's all about, ladies and gents. But uh, the links to tune in to Brandon's stuff is down below, as well as some more links to tap into the OTE content, 
the Amazon Prime games that they've got streaming coming out, super exciting stuff. And of course, the card game. Um, I will definitely be buying a set of uh, hella awkward cards. Uh, we're going to, you know, maybe sip on some brews, bust out the wine, you know, here maybe this weekend and play that card game. It'll be a great time. You guys definitely do the same. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Drop a like down below. Leave a rating on Apple or Spotify. A review on Apple Podcasts would mean a tremendous amount to us. Thank you, everybody involved. Y'all have a good week. Don't be such a smart owl.